If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, this is Katie Featherston with the Paranormal Activity franchise, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Fuck. What the hell? How come my face is scratched and yours isn't? Something's here. It's bullshit. It's here. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all the support. Uh, before we jump into tonight's film review, just going to give a quick, quick shout out to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website. Uh, just search Don't Go Out There, don'tgooutthere.com for the website. Uh, you'll find us on the big three social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on our website, we have our store, our blog, uh, all of our intros from celebrities on there, and you can listen on the website uh, to all of our episodes. And tonight we're reviewing Brother Mike's pick. We're back to some film reviews. We've dropped a lot of interviews, which has been awesome. But we're knocking the rust off, recovering from the 4th of July weekend. And we're going to review <laughs> Brother Mike's pick, Paranormal Activity. We're going to pass it off to Brian first. He's got a quick announcement. He's going to uh, give us his general overview after that. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, um, we kind of noticed that a lot of our earlier episodes were getting, you know, listens and uh we thought it was a good idea to kind of go back to the beginning, and so uh, we started a, a remastering project, basically, and uh, we're going back, we're adding intros, we're, we're starting from scratch with every single one of the episodes, I'm editing all the audio, taking our time with them, and uh, trying to make them, uh, you know, make you guys as proud of those as you are of the uh, the later ones, so um, uh, we're through, I believe, right now, I just finished episode seven, so uh, one through seven are completely edited, um we'll try to give an update you know every every week on uh kind of where we are on the editing process but uh definitely just wanted to announce that too yeah yeah hey by the way shout out to brian for going back and doing all that work uh he's the man best damn producer i know a lot of hard work yes sir i appreciate that um so paranormal activity <clears throat> all right so look three words fuck this movie <laughs> <laughs> you should have been like superhuman fuck this shit. Hey, we can't, <laughs> hey, we can't see and, what and you listen, said, Justin. And listen, not because it's not because it's bad, you know, because it's it's the only movie that's honestly ever scared me as an adult. 
Um, you know, and one of the only three movies that ever scared me ever. Uh, it's been well documented on this show, you know, that the only thing in this world that I'm really scared of is demons because it's really the only thing that I believe is real in the world of all this paranormal stuff. Um, you know, I've also been well documented in saying that, you know, even though we've watched The Conjuring before and demon, other demon-centric movies, you know, like that, the, the only one that's ever really scared me before has been this movie. Um, I usually avoid any of those kind of movies, which is why, honestly, I didn't watch The Conjuring until we reviewed it on the show, because I'm scared to death of truly getting a real demon in my house, and mostly because of this movie. Um, I saw it in the theater. But uh, only because the word paranormal, I thought it was going to be a ghost movie when I went in there and watched it, and they hit me with this demon shit. And so, uh, you know, I, this movie isn't a jump scare type scare movie. Um, to me, it's just it's really stuck with me, and uh, still to this day, it sticks with me. Um, it's not really, I don't think it's really over when the credits roll. At least it's not for me because I've seen this movie twice before in my life, but I've seen this movie about a hundred times in my head, about three thirty every single night. <laughs> Or at least at least a couple of times a week, and I really didn't want to watch this movie again. So uh, just to, just to to put it uh, put it briefly there, um, the movie is the reason why I haven't seen you know a lot of of those kind of movies in my life. And all these years later, does it scare me? Still, yeah, absolutely, hell yes, it does. Yeah, man, man, Mike made him watch on his birthday weekend too, I, man. Hey, I don't know why he hates me really. No. No, that is not true. We were supposed to watch this for the 50th episode, and we switched the episode. So technically, he should have got to watch Freddy vs. Jason, which I don't know if he would have liked any more than this. <laughs> hey, you, you selfishly went to the beach. How dare you? <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go next real quick. Um, we did. We reviewed Blair Witch Project. I'm not a super big fan of uh, found footage movies, but I do remember seeing this movie for the first time. It was at my friend's house. He lived in a trailer out in the country. We watched it in the dark, and at the end of this movie, I sat on the couch and did not move for a solid 10 minutes because I was legitimately scared the first time I watched this movie. Uh, it's not scary to me anymore, but I still remember exactly where I was sitting, exactly where this trailer was, and exactly how I felt after watching the first time, which I will give it that, – that will go into my rating later. I, I, If a movie can legitimately scare me, any of us, honestly, if it can scare us, we got to give it props because I think we're kind of uh, – callous to watching horror movies now at this point we don't even care if we see people getting killed in the movies anymore we just we, we just judge how how good the effects were honestly now <laughs> but true. yeah this yeah. this movie scared yep. this movie legitimately scared me the first time i watched it and eh, i mean it's pretty good now i mean i'm not scared of it now but it's it's, it's pretty decent dust you want to go next sure uh yeah what can i say about this movie that brian hasn't already said fuck this movie so <laughs> i I have a lot of the same feelings towards uh, uh, phenomena like this that Brian does. Um, ghost movies, yeah, sure, fine. We'll watch them all day. Possession movies, demon movies, fuck that. And <laughs> I think it's, it has a lot to do with my upbringing. You know, uh, raised Southern Baptist and raised that, you know, exorcisms the, or demon possessions really happen and stuff. It's just one of those things that's like always been ingrained in me like this shit. Yeah, this is a fictional depiction of it but this could happen and i'll tell you my my personal experiences with this movie i own all six movies in the paranormal activity franchise i've never seen any other than this one <laughs> i had only watched this movie once before before i bought the six movie collection 
And I couldn't remember why I didn't watch it. I knew what the movie was about, obviously, but I couldn't remember why. Now I remember why. And honestly, I'm not in a hurry to watch the other five movies. <laughs> um, so I rewatched it the other day. Uh, first time seeing it in years. And, you know, whatever. It, it's creepy. It'll freak you out a little bit. But how about last night? I wake up in the middle of the night because my dog just like jumps up. Dog sleeps in bed with me. Dog jumps up out of bed. And runs quickly over to the bedroom door and then just stands there for a while staring at the door. Not staring outside the door because I, I sleep in my bedroom door open. The dog is staring at the door, which is open up against the wall, just staring at it. Oof. I'm like, uh, uh, Mag- Maggie, what the fuck you doing, kid? Don't do this to me. Okay. I'll do you one better. So another horror movie that's similar to this, Exorcism Family Rose. I think I've told you guys this movie before, or this story before. When that movie came out, I bought it on DVD, and I take it home. After I'd watched it, it didn't really mess with me after I'd watched it. I saw it in theater, then I bought it and watched it again. Didn't really mess with me, but I take the movie home. This is before, you know, every TV was a flat screen, so TV in the bedroom was one of the box TVs that you could actually set stuff on top and use it as like a de facto shelf. So I laid the DVD flat on top of the TV. And I turn to walk out of the room, and it just falls on the floor. And mm, not great. Wow. I I didn't lay it on the edge. Like there's no reason it should have fallen in the floor. It just falls on the floor. So this movie reminds me of that, and I don't like it. That's all I got to say about it. But yeah, you're right, Nico. If a movie can actually freak us out or give us the heebie-jeebies, it it's got to get some points. Okay. All right. So I picked this movie basically be. For the same reason I picked The Shining in a way, where I thought we needed to kind of do a movie that needed to be done. It's just kind of one of those movies when people think horror and found footage, paranormal activities, either number one or number two, that comes to mind for people, you know, right alongside Blair Witch. So I felt like we needed to kind of maybe cover a big movie, and this seemed like the perfect one, and it's because I have a really good personal experience with it. Not a good one in like a, you know, I'm more chipper than you guys. I went and saw this with. My cousin Vinny, haha, uh, in high school, and <laughs> to make Brian feel old, um, I went and saw this in high school, and he hates me, he hates uh, me for no reason at yeah, all. Yeah, I know. I yeah, know. Happy birthday to <laughs> you. Um, no, so I I remember at the time being not scared, but at least at the very least gave me like an uneasy feeling, and I've said my personal. So, I, again, I've said a million times on this show that I don't really believe in the supernatural like that. Like, I don't – it doesn't scare me, and I think it could be because of my background, it, you know, in the Catholic Church and stuff. It had the opposite effect of, of, of what it had on you guys, and it just doesn't get to me in that way. I'm not going to deny anyone else's experiences. It's just never happened to me, so I can't relate to it in that way. However – this movie, like Nico said, gets points. For the very first time I saw it, it left me uneasy. Like it was not, not it wasn't an easy watch. Like I left the theater like, ugh, like shaking a little bit. And that is the mark of a movie doing its job. Now, is it the scariest movie of all time? No. Is it gonna win any Oscars? No. It's a low budget found footage horror movie. But I think it does a really good job of capturing Something that Blair Witch didn't for me, but I also saw Blair Witch later in life, so that's not 100% fair. But I think that this movie does a better job of, of 
of using the found footage genre, making it seem a little more realistic that this could have happened to someone. And I, I think it's a good little horror movie. Like I still do. I watch this. I watched it three times this week. I, I think it's got, it's got a lot of stuff that I still think is entertaining. Is it scary to me? No, but I think I can see why it would scare other people. And I think it does a good job with that. And I like that it doesn't do a whole lot of jump scares. Not to me anyway. To me, it makes you, you know, uh, you know, Dead Meat and them talked about it, and Roger and you know, and Ebert talked about it, where this movie makes you scared of the nothing. Nothing's happening, and you're a little timid by that, like you're uneasy. And I think that this movie does a pretty good job of that. So I'm excited to break it down. Look, there's some stuff I don't like. There's a really dumb fucking scene coming that I really can't wait to shit on. But outside of that, I have a lot of I have a lot of good to say about this movie, which. Normally, for a movie that has to deal with demons and ghosts, I don't really have that, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure like myself, y'all probably remember the trailer, and yeah. y'all remember all the commercials that came on during whatever show you was watching of, you know, these people sitting in their their theater chairs, you know, with their eyes covered, jumping up and down, scared. So I mean, it was market. They marketed the hell out of this movie. I'll give them credit on that for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Y'all ready to jump into the scene by scene? Let's do it. All right, guys, I'm gonna do my best. Uh, this is kind. Of, this movie's kind of a lot of the same stuff over and over, but but uh, it escalates a little bit. But I took my notes the best I could. So here we go. Film starts with a time card, September 18, 2006, San Diego, California. Katie gets home and sees Mika's new camera. He bought it to see the paranormal phenomena going on. He explains what's up to Katie as they prepare dinner. Mika does some audio checks with Katie to make sure it's operational. Mika checks the kitchen after Katie hears noises. It's just the ice maker. And then I just wrote, sweet blue guitar, Mika. Mika, do you have a foot fetish now? They go to bed now, and Mika gets the, he, he sets up the camera in their room. Night number one, September 18, 2006, is what the title or time card says. <clears throat> I wrote, you leave the door open. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dustin. You leave the bedroom door open to sleep? Psychos. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's called being an adult, but anyway. <laughs> Two oh eight AM. We hear some noises in the house. Katie finds her keys on the floor. Uh, Mika sarcastically says it's evidence that paranormal voice forces moved them there. Now they have some fun in the pool together before the psychic shows up. Uh, Mika doesn't seem thrilled about the psychic. The psychic shows up and asks about their relationship, their jobs, stuff like that. He thinks everything they've described are just common events, you know, like leaky pipes, etc. Katie tells of previous hauntings. She was eight years old at her first home. She woke up and saw a mass at the end of her bed and couldn't move. And then a fire burned down their first house, and they could not figure out the cause. From 13 on, periodically, she experienced these events. Lights flicker, faucets turn on and off, scratching noises in the house. She hears whispers in her room. Mika shows the psychic the camera set up. Negative energy feeds it, the psychic tells them. He says he deals with ghosts and not demons, and he feels that the house has a de- demonic presence. He refers them to his colleague. Mika asks about an Ouija board, and then the psychic says that if you offer a sacrifice, all at once is Katie, and then Mika's not on board with this exorcism stuff. All right, that's the first two scenes, Mike. This is your movie. You want to go first, man? Yeah, sure. So right off the bat, we're introduced to two characters that I uh, – I mean, this is my opinion – that I could actually see as a legitimate couple, like they have decent on-screen chemistry, where I believe that they 
they could be dating. So that's kind of a plus because sometimes, especially in found footage, you don't have that. And I think this yeah. couple is believable. They use the actors' real names. That helps. Um, so that right off the bat is something that I, I'm sucked into the movie right away. First of all, Katie Featherston, call me sometime. Just to throw that out there. Let's get it out of the way. Let's do it early. Call me anytime. Don't call Collecto. That's yeah, 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 there's levels to this. Anyway, um, so hold on, what I say? Oh, oh okay. Uh, you're also introduced to Mika, who is a douchebag. Um, I don't know what he does for a living, but somehow they have all this wealth. He must have a trader. Okay, well, he must have Dustin's job or something, um, because he has wow. all this wealth. Wow. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh no, maybe that's Nico. All right, so anyway, um. Uh, Mika, Nico, it's close. I don't know. So, <laughs> right off the bat, we're introduced to him. Kind of a D-bag, not going to lie. He's got this camera in everybody's face, which is annoying as shit. So, we kind of have this other antagonist. And he's not like the worst guy ever or anything. He's just kind of an asshole to a girlfriend that really seems sweet. Who, has, who seems to be having some legitimate problems. So, right off the bat, you have another antagonist before... The real antagonist shows up, so that's kind of nice. Um, <laughs> why? Of course, again, this house has a pool. Of course it does, because of course it does. And, you know, like we talked about, there really isn't a whole lot to talk about in the scene-by-scene scene because it is a lot of just, like, in the house. I'm I'm bored in the house, and I'm in the house bored. Like, it's one of those things. <laughs> It's one of those things. <laughs> but you do get the slow build. You're starting to get a little bit of a slow build. And I do like the psychic scene. One, Mika is peak douchebag when he's playing the music. And he's like, you know, <laughs> add to the ambiance and all that stuff. So that's kind of fun. I laughed. In a way. I, I thought it was funny. And I would not have been like, look, I don't believe in this stuff. But if, if my girl was having this issue, I wouldn't be such an asshole to this psychic. Just throwing that out there. I think I would be a little bit nicer, even though I'm not a big psychic person. Um, but, you know. Um, and I think, you know, as much as they tried to sell this as a legitimate movie that they found, uh, that psychic's in something else. And I can't remember what else that guy's in. But it, the first time I ever saw it, I was like, I know that guy. It kind of fucked me over a little bit, but I got over it. Um, again, not a whole lot to add to the scene by scene, but I like these scenes. Nothing bad here, at least not in my opinion. Um, and I think Katie is likable for now. For now. And Mika is not. So those that's really all <laughs> I can take away. Well, I mean, he's just not. He, he He's a douchebag who probably, again, found money on accident. So that's just kind of where I'm at with those. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, um, fast factor right off the bat. This movie actually started Bloomhouse. And a uh, big shout out to Katie for doing the intro for this episode. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Call um, me sometime. <laughs> you guys talked a little bit about Blair Witch, you know, man, they, they use obviously use the same found footage trope. Um, but, you know, say what you want. But Blair Witch was, you know, 10 years ahead of the curve on that one and truly does. You know, even though I know it's fictional, it does. The whole found footage thing does add to this, you know, scare factor for me when I'm already trying to tell myself, you know, oh, this isn't real. This is a movie. And also trying not to let this burn right into my soul as I'm watching it. But, you know, while Blair Witch started this genre, it did, you know, Blair Witch didn't have the Internet back then. And we talked about that in our review a little bit, um, you know, then for, you know, research from a fan perspective um, where this movie to me, like what it did was a little bit more impressive because we did have the internet and we were able to research this if we wanted to, to find out what was real or not real. And, um, 
you know, so I, I think the the amount of money that it made, which I'm sure Michael get into at the end of the show or whatever, like mm-hmm. he normally does, but is is very impressive. Um, you know, given that at least. Um, so I wrote down. Katie had the line, "That's a giant ass camera, big and impressive," and I had the line, "That's what she said," and that's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be me deflecting this whole review because, you know, you know how I feel about this movie. Um, you know, and at this point, you know, I'm kind of I don't hate Mika yet. Um, to me, he's not as douchey yet as as he is later. And and like I just said, he's he's kind of funny sometimes to me in, in these scenes. Yeah. Um, the doctor is is definitely a story progressing mechanism, you know, to, to give you that backstory of Katie's past for sure, which I really think is smart um, because, you know, at this point in the relationship, you would have to assume they've already discussed, you know, what what's happened. So, uh, you know, having them repeat it just so we as an audience would hear it and get the information would be dumb. So I'm kind of glad they went that route. Yeah, so, yeah, right off the gate, I hate Mika. Like, he's just a <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> and you know she's a full-time student and he's a day trader i felt like i was watching an episode of house hunters it's like how really? are you affording this house <laughs> yeah. I, I was like the sc the sec needs to investigate this guy what kind of trades is he making that's what but, i'm saying uh, but fun fact about the house it's actually uh oren pelly who wrote and directed the film it's actually his real house um oh, okay that they used to, to film it and you, you spoke about the uh the psychic he was actually only in two other things, so I'm curious. Uh, he was in Wrist Cutters, A Love Story, which came out before Paranormal Activity. That's and where Mike's on. Emerald Knights, which came that. out after. <laughs> I've seen that guy somewhere else, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> or maybe he has but, yeah. a lot of lookalikes. Um, yeah, I mean, I just... These scenes, to me, honestly, I get it because you're setting the tone. Like, this is their first time, so you don't get much of a backstory, because there was no camera, so it wouldn't make sense. This is true found footage style, right. so you're just picking up right there. But to me, it, it kind of was slow developing these couple scenes. Like you get that they're uh, she's you know she's explaining what's happened, but you don't actually see anything or hear anything. And then I was just annoyed the whole time by what a douchebag and how unsupportive Mika was. Because regardless if you believe it or not, she clearly does. Right. So be a supportive boyfriend and. Um, you know, if, if he's not going to treat her right, then I know that she could cry on Mike's shoulder. So that's just, I don't understand. And, uh, <laughs> I got big shoulders, <laughs> but don't call him collect. Don't call well, him collect. Let's, but, well, let's revisit that for a minute here. <laughs> I got big shoulders, Katie. Got big shoulders. So, and, and what, what I mean by him, not being a douchebag and not supportive, it's like mocking when he says, you know, don't try to communicate with it he just like scoffs at it and right. blows it off and we clearly see what happens later and when he's talked about uh the the negative energy like he's the most negative person in this whole fucking movie and the little snide comment when she's like uh when the doctor says it feeds off negative energy he's like well maybe your mom shouldn't visit anymore it's like dude just that was kind of funny. I, I get it <laughs> yeah it, it is kind of funny but it is a dick Put yourself in Katie's shoes, like, leave him, girl, leave him. But overall, it'll hook you, but I thought it was slow developing. Hey, Dustin, my man Mike started backtracking like a first-round DB on that call and collect, didn't he? (laughs) I'll I'll pay the collect call. I'm sorry, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. Excuse me. Um, Katie tells Mika she's calling the doctor tomorrow. Mika says, don't do it. 
Mika won't turn the camera off and mocks a demonologist. He tries to, to leave the camera on and record their sexy time, but she ain't having all that. September, 20, <laughs> September 20th, night three. At 2.09 a.m., the door moves back and forth on its own. 6.14 a.m., their alarm goes off. Mika shows Katie the door movement on the computer. Mika thinks it's awesome. <laughs> Katie yells Mika's name in fear, and he, run, he runs to the bathroom. It's just a spider. Mika has the book he's researching to figure out what's after Katie. Katie expresses her concern over how dangerous this is, and Mika says he wasn't prefaced on her being followed, so that's why he wants you know the camera involved. He sets the alarm and locks all windows and doors. September 22nd, night five. At 2.55, Katie springs up, screaming she had a nightmare. They hear a loud noise in the house. She follows him down with the camera, but they don't find anything, really. Uh, that's the next two scenes I got wrote. Not a lot on, not a lot went on there. Uh, Dustin, you want to go first real quick? Yeah, sure. So, uh, first of all, this movie, uh, when I rewatched it, I didn't watch it with subtitles the first time I ever saw it, but this time I did put the subtitles on. And the subtitles actually will tell you low humming sound or something that I actually didn't even hear. And so... I recommend watching this movie with the subtitles, first of all. Maybe not the first time you've seen it, but go back and watch it if you're brave enough to do that. With the subtitles, so that you can actually hear these little uh, nuances that I honestly wouldn't have picked up on. I thought it was really cool uh, The you know when we finally got to see the door moving. That was great effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, It was very well done. Um, the, sky, the spider thing kind of pissed me off because I thought, oh shit, here we go, here we go. It's a goddamn spider. Come on. <laughs> oh, I hated that. Um, the, uh, I did get a chuckle though, when after the sexy time, the camera comes back on, he's like, what we just did was illegal in Kentucky and 12 other states. (laughs) (laughs) She's a freak. (laughs) That that actually, I was like, okay, okay, Mika, that's good. That's good. But, um, the, uh, yeah, I mean the, the rest of this, I, when he's flipping through the book, and, you know, you see Baphomet several times. It's clear that uh, he wasn't actually reading the book because he went to the same page a few times. So I don't know if y'all noticed that. And then the uh, I thought he was a douchebag again, though. But maybe he was rightfully so in this time when he's like, well, yeah, well, you didn't tell me about this. So I feel like I deserve some say in how we handle it. And so it's like, well, I could see how that'd be frustrating because your life might be in danger now. But at the same time, God damn it, she's haunted. Cut her some fucking slack. But <laughs> anyway, the, the, this is where it starts to pick up. But again, after it's all said and done, it's like, okay, we still don't really have anything happening. we got a door moving, but come on, I want more. It left it left me wanting more before I regretted wanting more. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want this cake and eat it, too. That's Go right. ahead, Brian. <laughs> so, uh, you know your own imagination is the cause of your own fear. And, you know, Nico and I discussed this a little bit in the interview. We just did with the unfamiliar director and producer, which uh, releases us Thursday, by the way, but it's true. Um, my view on the conjuring was that, you know, it's actually a little bit creepy and messing with me a little bit until it showed me the demon and all its glory and it cartoonized it for me for some reason. So I think the unknown is what's the most frightening for me in this movie, at least. Um, you know, I wrote down Katie screams and his first intuition is grab the camera. I said that that's a douche move. Number one. I mean, I get it for the film. And I honestly, that's actually really believable in 2020 as everybody would grab their phone for absolutely everything. But I still thought that was a little bit of a douche move. Um, and, and I'm completely with you, uh, Dustin, because I wrote down the same thing. You know, 
um, him telling her it would have been nice if she had told him about this before they moved in together. I felt him on that. And a uh, little fun fact, The Devils, Demons, and Witchcraft is actually a real book by Ernst and Jonah Lenner and not a prop like made made by this movie or anything. Um, you know, and the last thing I'll say about this little group of scenes is like after night five, which is this little group here, there's no more release of tension during the day. Um, yeah. Starting now, <laughs> this motherfucker grabs you or me anyway, mm -hmm. doesn't let go at all. Like after night five also is where I start to like lose a little belief in Mika or at least start to tr believe he's actually probably truly an idiot because I, I don't know who would experience this. You know, I, I know being skeptical is one thing, but experiencing this over and over and continuing to just blow it off like it doesn't right. exist. You you honestly, I'm starting to question, you know, his his mental fortitude. Well, I got, I got one more thing before you go, Mike. Another thing that I was going to say is, yeah, like you said, after night five, it, it you know, the shit just keeps intensifying. Mm -hmm. What happened to after they met with the, the psychic and he, you know, they made the deal. If things get worse, we'll call the demonologist. If I'm Katie, I'm like, God, we're calling him right fucking now. And she doesn't even bring it up until, you know, until it's too late, basically. Too late. Yep. All right. So I pretty much agree with everything you guys said. So I don't really have a ton to add. What I will say is the spider scene really pissed me off. More yeah. so at Katie, like, we have all this going on. And you freak out about this. I mean, it wasn't even like a daddy long legs or uh, look like a black widow or anything. It was like this tiny ass little fucking house spider, man. Kill that shit with your foot and let's move on. Anyway, so that pissed me and off. If you're, and if you're. If you're gonna scream bloody murder, scream the word spider. Spider. So that we hey, know why you're yelling? Spider. Yes. Oh, so stupid. Um. Okay, that would piss me off a little bit if I was if I was uh, Mika, but he kind of deserved it, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> the door opening, I really loved. Like, I think that that is such a build of suspense for something bigger happening down the road. The door becomes a significant player in this movie as far as opening and closing, and you know, that just catching that on film and Mika being in denial of the fact that that's eh, the AC or whatever the fuck he you know did to excuse it away. Like him using that, it really plays into the fact later. Like I like that the door becomes almost like a not a portal. I, I can think of a better word for it, but the door in the doorway is a significant part of the movie. And I think slowly easing into that with the door opening scene is really good and it is creepy like the first especially the first time i ever saw it you're kind of like ooh, okay and like you said after this you don't get that la 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 we're playing house during the day la la, la kissy kissy on the fucking countertop nope it's here we go we're going right into this shit and <laughs> i'm not gonna lie that the whole what we just did should be illegal is fucking hilarious like like <laughs> yeah for all for all the bad things i said about mika that he has a couple one-liners that make me laugh, so I will give him that. And I like, and I know, I guess I should save it, but here in a little bit, when I like that the psychic appears again. But that's, I'm going to say. You know what, Mike? You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I never really thought about it, but that door actually becomes, since you can't see it in itself, Player. it actually becomes a character by itself. Yes. Absolutely. That the door and doorway mm -hmm. becomes its own character in this movie. And I like that because they go into real slow with that scene and catching it on film. And, and I think it's really well done. Like for do they're doing a lot with a little, like 
All they had yeah. to do was find a way to open that door with a string or some shit, and it really plays well, and it's good. Oh, yeah. Mika shows Katie and her friend, you know, the the clip of the audio from 10 seconds before she woke up, and he wants to get in a Ouija board. Katie makes him promise he won't buy one. Mika teases the demon. Night 13, September 30th, noises at 3.13 a.m. Katie wakes up. They hear a real loud roar and a crashing noise. They go downstairs, and they see, I wrote this is ceiling lights. I didn't want to call it a chandelier, but it might be that. The ceiling lights that's hanging on a chain is swaying back and forth. They hear another noise before getting back in bed. They lay back down, but they hear more noises. Katie's not on board with this camera. <clears throat> and I, I think Mika says this is an EVP experience, if I'm not mistaken. I wrote EVP experience number one, Mika says. He holds a mic out, and he asks to talk to the demon. He asks about the Ouija board again. He reviews the audio on the computer. All right, uh, October 2nd, night 15, 1.36 a.m. Katie sits up and gets out of bed. She gets up and just stands by the bed. 3.30 a.m., she, walk, she walks out the room. Mika gets up and looks for her. <laughs> and I wrote, why are all these doors in this house open? I find that very weird to me. <laughs> he finds the, you know, the sliding door that goes outside is open. He finds Katie asleep outside in the swinging chair. She doesn't want to go back in. I wrote, she seems really off right now. Uh, Mika hears a crashing noise upstairs, and he notices, and he hears, you know, the, a fuzzy TV noise. Uh, Katie walks back upstairs, and she seems clueless to what just happened. Uh, that's the next two scenes I got wrote. Uh, Brian, do you want to go first, man? Yeah, sure, man. There, look, there are two or three parts in this movie, probably about three parts, actually, that really stick with me, and I can't shake. And and the screech and bang sound was one of them, and the standing staring for hours is the other one. Um, and you know the biggest one obviously hasn't come up with uh, come up just yet. But um, the Katie you know staring for hours is actually like pretty close to the actual original ending of the movie too. And I'll uh, we can go over that because I've got all three original you know, all three endings um, written down too. But um, the director Oren Paley actually uh, put a lot of research into demonic hauntings. Um, if you will, to make this movie. And apparently this particular thing, the, the standing staring for hours is actually very common to have been reported during, you know, a lot of, uh, possessions and, and demon demonic activity. Um, I did have a question. You asked all the doors are open. How did the alarm not go off when she walked outside? Did, oh, did, yeah. she, did she set it? I don't know. Maybe I missed her not setting it, but I did see her and made note of her setting the alarm at least one of the nights where it showed us. Um, I guess maybe she just didn't set it that night, but I was wondering why the alarm didn't go off. And Micah's honestly an idiot. But I mean, but I don't think it's unbelievable because I, I kind of said this a little bit beforehand. There's absolutely idiots who would do this shit that he's doing and blow this completely off. I mean, and I realize it's to further progress the plot, you know, and stuff like that. But honestly, I honestly know that there are idiots that would act the way that he does. So just because he acts stupid, I don't really. I don't know. I, for some reason, I don't blow it off as, oh, this is a movie character doing something stupid and it wouldn't really happen in real life. Because, I mean, daily I see things every single day that makes me question humanity, period, much less. Uh, I, so I think that these guys, I think in this uh, in the movie, I think doing this stupid crap and questioning it, I think honestly would happen, you know, in some scenarios. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. But at the same time, like, you saw the door move. You know that it can move stuff. It can do stuff. Like, chill that, out, man. I and, agree. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, when when she's standing there, uh, you know, for an hour and a half, just standing and staring, that's creepy as shit, man. Yes. Um, and so, fun fact: the reason, like you said, he did a lot of research on possessions and everything. So, uh, the hours of two a.m. to four a.m. is supposedly like the the dead time. It's when demon activity is supposedly the uh, the most frequent, and so that's why a lot of these times. That's the reason that it happens during those those time periods. Um, but yeah, I agree though. She she didn't set she didn't touch the alarm. She just walked straight out. Maybe she did, but it didn't show it, and we didn't hear the alarm beeping on the camera because surely it would have picked that up. The um, but between that and the the chandelier swinging, like yeah, I got I got the heebie-jeebies by this point in the movie. Uh, I don't much care for it to be honest with you, and uh, <laughs> but. I mean, again, like Mika, what you were told not to provoke it. Don't try to communicate with it. So if you want to be a douchebag, be a douchebag, <laughs> but don't sit there with your microphone and say, what's your favorite color and all this shit. And like directly try to communicate because the psychic said that will only welcome it in more. And you don't want to do that. And so I just this scenes made me uncomfortable and made me angry at the same time. I'm uncomfortable because of the situation and angry at Mika. And just to kind of touch off what Dustin just said, too, I mean, some religious forums actually call like the th- uh, hour three or three thirty a.m. The, the anti hour because they believe that yeah. Christ was crucified at three p.m. And so it's kind of the opposite of that. It's kind of the anti Christ hour, basically, in some circles. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Brian, that her just standing there like looking over the bed was super creepy. I, yeah, it just gives me the heebie jeebies. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, so I'm not gonna keep hitting the dead nail here, or the you know the 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 nail here. Mika's an idiot. We've said this. He's provoking this shit, so I I won't harp on it. It does get a little much. It gets a little annoying, which is why the end is. I'll save it. But what I will say is, there's actually a couple things in in these set of scenes that I think don't work. Which I know this is like these are nitpicks. Because again, I'm not like uh, f that, but I'm kind of like, eh. like the one, like the uh, sound that the that the demon makes, you can't really hear it that well. They can't really hear it that well. So that kind of, that doesn't do anything as far as like scaring me or luring me. And that it's a nitpick, but it's there. And I'm not a, I don't know. This may be an unpopular opinion, but the scene where she goes outside and sits in the swing does absolutely nothing for me. That does not scare me in the slightest. It takes me out of it a little bit. I think it lasts a little too long. Uh, I, I, I think it's different. It almost takes me out of that bedroom setting that I'm so I'm so invested in at this point, where it kind of removes that that element, that night camera, that that night vision, and we get like something completely different. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I like you know her her standing up and just looking. That's fucking freaky. That works. That hits with me. Okay. I get a little bit of a goosebump. Even the other day when I watched it again for the first time in a long time, I'm like, ooh, okay. So she's definitely possessed here. But the outside stuff with the swing did not hit for me every time I've watched it. So there's just something about that scene. It could just be me nitpicking. Takes me out of it. And so kind of, eh, but, you know, there's some good and bad here. I actually like the swing Right. Uh, scene because of what we find out later that's like true. When, when he walks out there yeah. when he walks out there and she just like she's so calm it just that's blows true. him off 
Like, I think that does a good job. And like he said, it's freezing out there and she's sitting there like she's not even cold. So I think it does a good job of, of laying the groundwork to let you know what all is going into this. She doesn't remember it the next day. Right. Right. She's like, what are you talking about? I was outside. And you know, when he's out there, she's like, no, just go, go away. I'm, I'm fine. Leave me alone. And I was okay. So, that's the complete opposite of how she's been the whole film. Right. If shit goes down, even a spider in the bathroom, she's little miss, please come save me. And now she's just sitting outside alone, just completely fine. So that's why I think it works is because right. it does a good job of flipping the switch, let you know shit's real. Right. Maybe it just goes a little long for me where I feel that's like fair. maybe they're outside a little too long and I don't want to be, I don't want to be outside of that creepy bedroom element that we've come to know for too long now i'm okay with it a little bit but i i just think maybe it ran a little long for me but that's a good point that i never really thought of is how it plays in to what's going on later so that's fair no i I agree with you mike but i do think that the the following you know loud noise and scare with mika and the tv is good i think that that's a good follow i think that's a good follow but i agree with you it's too long outside uh mika shows katie the footage she doesn't remember any of it, and I wrote she, she shook. Uh, Mika tells her to stay strong. He's, like, consoling her. He, he doesn't want to bring in an exorcist. He does what Katie doesn't want and gets in a Ouija board, and she is pissed. Uh, we hear noises. You know, they leave. They go, they're going out with their friends, I guess. We hear noises. The plants in the house start swaying, and we see the Ouija board, like the – what's that thing called that goes – that reads uh, – the stuff that reads all the letters, it starts moving on its own. And it catches on fire. Four hours later, they get home and they see what happened to the board. It appears to have been drawn on. She's still really pissed and she kicks him out of their room. Katie makes Mika recite that he will abide by her uh, camera rules on film. The next day, Mika watches the film with the Ouija board. He has a lot of ideas of what it said. Katie and Amber discuss, you know, what's going on. She invites Katie to stay at her house, but Katie says, you know, she's possessed, not the house. She says she'll call the demon, the demonologist, after my, uh, Mika's powder experiment. Mika tries to sound tough before, before they go to sleep. October fourth, night seventeen, three fifteen a.m., and we hear loud steps in the house. The baby powder footprints have gone into the room. They see the attic, the the opening to the attic has been open in the closet. Mika gets the ladder and takes a look up there. He sees something odd. He climbs up there and he finds an old burnt picture of Katie at her old house. And she really can't believe that that picture is at their house. Uh, you know, another, some more of the same old, same old, but it's, you know, it's getting escalating. It's getting a little bit better. Uh, Mike, you want to go first, man? Yeah. Cause I really like these set of scenes. These like this whole thing works really well for me. I love the footprint experiment. It's creepy. I love the way they pull that off. I love the picture in the attic. That is like, it, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh shit. That's fucking good. Like that, that got me a little bit. So I love that, but I can't let these seeds go by without saying what an asshole you promised you wouldn't bring a Ouija board into this house. <laughs> like I know he gets a cop out exactly. when he didn't buy it, but still what a fucking prick. Like you don't have to do this. Like you are literally asking for it at this point, which is again, what makes the ending for me so different. I'll explain it. But again, I, I like all these. Like I, I think that the board moving and catching fire is well done. The effects are good. I like uh, 
I like her reaction to the footage that she didn't remember. I like the way she sells that. I think it's really well done. And I love the picture in the attic. A lot of good here. Like I, for me at this point, we're all, we're going up like, yeah, it's a lot of same old, same old, but we're building, we're building, we're building. We're not ever coming back down. We're all the way up now. And that's not an attic pun either. Brian. (laughs) Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, so these scenes, uh, I mean, uh, a lot of what a lot of what Mike says. I like that she didn't remember because, like I said a minute ago, I think that just makes the the swing scene that much more spooky and creepy. Um, the fact that he, he got a, a Ouija board when she said not to, like, just leave his ass, kick his ass out, make him leave yes. because he's he's gonna be your demise, and uh, because he clearly doesn't give a f, especially after he watches the the footage of you know what happened while they were gone why did they sweep the fire under the rug so easily like i i don't remember them even discussing like holy shit it caught fire because to me that could have been used to tie in the fact your house burnt down when you were eight it's clear this thing can start fires but also this thing can start fires it could kill (laughs) us we should call the demonologist and that just was like not even a thought in this in this scene and that Mm -hmm. baffled me the uh the the powder on the floor experiment was awesome um, that's when, okay, it's another thing. Like if, if it can leave footprints, then it can clearly make an impact. I.e. it could bludgeon me in my sleep. Let's get the fuck out of here. But they don't seem to care that much. God, and I'd leave that house in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, like, like the psychic said though, it's not the house. It's going to follow you. I know. But I would be, I would be, uh, calling that, uh, demonologist and be like, listen, I will give you my soul if you save it from this demon. Like, <laughs> help me here. <laughs> um, and then the the only thing that kind of confuses me because I've I've played this out in my head so often, I just didn't rewind it and rewatch the scene. But when they said the picture was found over the bed, to me, I thought he looked the wrong way for that to be over the bed because he and to the left. And then climbs the ladder and looks to the right first, which to me would be over their bedroom. And then looks to the left, and that's when he sees it. So that was weird to me. Maybe I need. To, maybe I'm misremembering. I need to rewatch that scene, but I don't really want to. But I thought uh, that I don't know. And I thought maybe the attic was down the hallway to the right. And I don't know if that makes what you just said right the other way around. I don't right. know. I, I lost. I was, well, but I thought, I thought it, it was right. down the hallway to the right. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what. I, so if you're standing in the bedroom, it's straight down the hall there, and then to the right. Yes. Which is if you're coming up the steps, I guess is what I meant. Or if you're standing in the bedrooms on the right, and then the attic's on the left is what I meant. But oh, so okay. he goes straight down the hallway, turns to the right to go into that room where the attic is. When he right. climbs the ladder, I could have swore he looked to the right first, which would have been back towards their bedroom. Right. And then looks to the left and says, "There's something over there." So I don't know that that. Maybe just a little nitpick continuity thing that I'm misremembering. I don't know, but it stuck out, stood out to me. Before you go, Brian, another fucking nitpick for me. No one's still cuddling at three in the morning. Get all the way the fuck off me. Anyway, <laughs> it's not true, Mike. Some of us sensitive men will cuddle. Hey, hey, I love to cuddle. We're not. I'm a, I'm an open cuddler here, buddy. We can cuddle all day a, long, but when I'm trying to sleep, son. Listen. Nah, fam. I'm a I'm a six foot five professional little spoon. Let's go. <laughs> Same here, except I'm actually I little. Being, I don't mind being a little spoon either. <laughs> me either, brother. Hold me tight. Hold me now, like the Thompson Twin song. All right, go ahead. All right, go ahead, Brian. Follow that up. I don't even think I can follow that, man. You can go ahead and skip me. 
All right, all right, back to this fucking movie. All right, so <laughs> yeah, Mika, Mika, for real, for you're right. I mean, he's graduated to I want to punch him in the face status um, for the Ouija board stunt. Um, also, I mean, you you fucking decide to try to figure out where the demon spelled out for you. Fire completely, and you know he's gone from just being. Exactly. You know, I'm 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 questioning both of their mental stability for continuing to sleep in that house. And I mean, and I know, like you said, we see later, it's more of her having the attachment to the demon and therefore leaving doesn't really help. But at this point, you're literally just dumb for for doing so after seeing all the proof of this stuff on film. I mean, and honestly, how do you even sleep? How can you fall asleep? I mean, I wouldn't be able to yeah. anyway, not staying yeah. in that house. Um, mm-hmm. Shit, I would at least try to go stay in a hotel room. If the demon follows me around, deal with it then. But I sure as hell wouldn't just blow it off and not, you know, even try right now. Um, and honestly, I, I kind of wish this is my only nitpick for this kind of these scenes is I wish at this point, like maybe they would have had some sort of explanation for Mika being so against the demonologist, because even after the footprint thing, he still was against the demonologist and talking shit about it. I mean, like anyone at all would have thrown in the towel after that. So I wish they kind of would explain that a little bit. Otherwise you just go across thinking, you know, uh, that's kind of unbelievable, honestly. Well, they did say, he did say, he did tell her he didn't want an exorcist in the house because that can just welcome more demons. He did say that at one point, right? but you're, you're right. It was kind of glossed over and they didn't go as uh, in depth to it. And also, what, was it during these scenes that they had the big fight and she went up the upstairs, or was that in the next scene? They have two fights, so I'm not real sure if that was during the scenes or not, but they have two pretty big ones. There, well, there's a, there's another one coming up where she's, where she's crying in the middle of the hallway. Uh, where, where, basically where the he, one where he blames her. Yeah, that's that's coming up. That's coming up. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. No problem. Yeah, no. he blames her. What a fucking idiot. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. bro. I was wondering that too. It's like, dude, it's like, professional dude. He's kind of like one of those do-it-yourselfer dads or whatever who won't pay somebody to do a job. He wants to do it himself. You're right. You're right. I feel seen. I'm sorry. He watched a he watched a ten minute exorcism video on YouTube and now thinks he can do it himself. Like fuck this guy. Hell, that's how we started this channel. Come on. Oh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I watched the exorcism two years ago. Our our, our Mika shows Katie the footage of the you know the footprints and how it happened. Uh, Katie wants to call it demonology, but Mika still isn't on board. She mm. couldn't get a hold of Doctor Avery, who's a demonologist, but she called the original psychic. Night eighteen, October fifth. 3.53 a.m., the lights turn on, and we hear footsteps. Then the lights turn off, and then their bedroom door slams. And then you hear, like, these beat, like, from the other side of the door, you hear, like, these beating noises on from the other side. Mika goes to explore the halls. Then their bedroom wait, door slams. Wait, and that motherfucker goes, who's there? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Dude, this Dude, Mika's so fucking stupid. <laughs> Mika, Mika goes to explore the halls, 
and then their bedroom door slams, and then knocks come from inside of their bedroom. Uh, Katie doesn't want to go back in there, obviously. Who the fuck would? Uh, they go downstairs and hear more noises. Then they then they do go lay back in bed. I'm like, okay. Katie is on the couch, and she looks really sleep-deprived. Mika tries to console her. The two hear a loud thud as they're eating, uh, like dinner or lunch or something. They run upstairs and see that their picture has been shattered. Katie says she feels it beat at breathing on her. She runs downstairs. The psychic is back. He walks in and says it's the demonic presence is overpowering. And he says he's got to leave now because he, he don't want it. I mean, that should be a dead giveaway that the psychic don't want to do, deal with none of this mm-hmm. shit. That, uh, they should probably call an expert. The next two scenes are the ending. Uh, Mike, you want to go first, man? Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> all right. Who's there? <laughs> first of all, who's there? It, oh, you know what? We already touched on it. I'm not going to repeat myself. I'm not going to harp on it. Fuck you, Mika. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> so I like the way the, they do the footprint footage. I think that's really well done um i love the loud thuds i think the way that they the way that this movie uses noise is very clever to me and look it's not anything that they're not breaking the mold they're not doing anything that's like super out of the box like nothing like that but i really think it's effective the way they use the camera the way that you can't see everything but you can see everything like i don't know how else to describe that i think that really works with the the loud thud the beating up you know the the beating on the door all the again we touched on it this door is its own character and it it's probably the second scariest part of the movie like it is really it's predominantly used here in particular this set of scenes leading into the end is really my big problem with the movie and making mika a accidental i think i hope second antagonist that because this is the set of scenes where I'm like, fuck this guy. If the demon took this guy out right now, that would be fine. And so I'm gonna, if I'm gonna hold slasher movies to that standard, thinking of Friday 2009. I'm thinking of Halloween Five with Tina. Like, if they if they get killed, that's fine. Like, I want these people to die. I want him to die at this point because he's a fucking idiot. So. I'm going to hold the same standard. I, that's a little bit of a nitpick. I don't need two antagonists. I just need one. There's already a demon in this damn movie. So um, that's a little bit of a nitpick, but uh, not a whole. there's not a whole lot to really comment on in these scenes for me. Just the fact that Mika's a – he's an asshole. <laughs> he, he, he's a total douchebag. So that's all I got. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, I mean I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, these scenes just – this is it just gets more and more intense as time goes by the the fact that shit starts happening in the daytime like more intensely than it is at night at this point is uh it really lets you know that okay this is not right because like we said earlier 2 a.m to 4 a.m is typically you know or, or 3 a.m to 4 a.m whatever is typically the time where demon activity is the the highest and so the fact that it's happening and you haven't even had your mid-afternoon snack yet um no fuck that and like like you said, my, uh, Mika's a dumbass. That's why I'm saying he must be involved in some illegal trading because there's no way he makes enough money to have yes. this house being as stupid as he is. Big fat. Um, <laughs> anyway. he's, he's got Martha Stewart as an insider. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I agree. The the way that the uh, 
footprint footprint footage was done. You know, like he says he lightened the film so you can actually see it and being able to actually see those footprints appear. The fact that all this was done on such a low budget, which we'll get into in fun facts, I'm sure I will if y'all don't. But the fact that all this was done on such a low but bu- low budget is just really impressive and very well done considering everything. I love how as the movie progresses, you start to see the shadow move across the door, which yeah. brings more of a uh, character feel to that door, like you guys said, um, because you don't see the the shadow on the walls. It's only on that white door. Yes. And it's uh, that's very well done. And yeah, the uh, the picture being shattered. I don't blame the demon. I want to punch Meek in the face too. So that's that's all I got. To say. <laughs> yeah, I I had the uh, the picture of that Ice Cube uh, from Friday meme where he's just staring at the camera as soon as he said, "Who's there?" I was like, "Really? What the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Did he really just ask that?" Um, but I mean, I think he redeems himself a little bit, at least I'll talk about it a little bit in the next scenes, um, the next group of scenes. But as far as these go, um, I completely agree with Dustin. I wrote the same thing. Like it's impressive that this movie is giving you this tension during the daytime as well. Um, you know, I mean, it, it takes that tension, build it up. And, and once it does, like I said earlier, it doesn't let it go. It doesn't stop. And it's impressive to me that it still holds, you know, during the daytime as well. Um, the doctor actually kind of pissed me off. Like, I think I would have cussed him out if I was Mika. Like, and I understand, I understand his his uh, his perspective or whatever. But it actually did a good job of showing you though that it's it's not only gotten worse in your head as an audience. The guy who was here earlier explaining the rules won't even stay in this house. So you're right to assume that this has progressed, uh, you know, exponentially. Um, and and that actually reminded me of an episode, I think, of Ghost Hunters or whatever. And I used to watch that show a lot because, like I said, I don't really believe in ghosts. So I kind of it's just interesting to me to watch this stuff. But there's a couple of times and one one episode stands out to me a lot is that they are in some old well or some whatever. And they figure out or they assume and feel like that it's a demonic presence and every single one of them for the first time in any episode i've ever seen just go well it's a demon fuck this we're out and that's exactly <laughs> and that's exactly what this guy did and uh that i don't know why that that just really stuck with me and that's what this reminded me of so i thought i would kind of share that <laughs> and i do want to say one more thing before we get in any further uh because we're almost out of scenes here but you know if you recall earlier in the movie her friend Amber was there for her. Her friend Amber even said, why don't you come stay with me? Yeah, there you go. Why don't? Why did they never ask Amber to stay with them? Because in I my mind, Amber no. <laughs> yeah, Amber, yeah a- Amber, Amber, you wouldn't do it, but she asked Katie to come stay with her. And if she knows the demon's following her, it's tomato, tomato, six and one, half a dozen the other. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what house you're in. So to me, your best odds are to have Amber there and Mika there and sleep in shifts. So someone's always awake, but you know, that, that's just me. That could have saved them something in the in the ending. I don't want to spoil it yet because we haven't got there. But if they had someone else to alert someone of something, maybe something could have been avoided. Go ahead. Hmm. Sounds like the Blair Witch Project a little bit to me. Yeah, you know the Blair Witch Project walks so this movie could run. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Oh, oh, yeah, I was going to say Campbell Hawk. Uh, maybe this is the uh, spirit of Jason Voorhees from Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I'm really looking forward. To, I just remember something. I'm really looking forward to if Dustin can connect David Arquette to this at all. Don't you worry. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh. No. Here we go. Oh, all right. 
Hey, hey Brian, you ready for these next two scenes, brother? No. I'm on it. You want to go first? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna mute y'all and then let Brian go. Then I'll go next, so I don't have to listen to it, and I'm just gonna get my shit out. So I don't I don't want to hear this. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the sweat forming on, on Brian. He looks like uh, the key and peel mean. He's just sweating. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Katie is crying in bed from distress and fear. October 6, 19, 1.34 a.m., we hear scratching noises, and then we see the blanket move off of, like, Katie's foot. 3.04 a.m., the light turns on in the closet, and then it turns off. We hear a loud breathing noise, and Katie wakes up scared. Mika hugs her <laughs> after – Mika hugs her. Next morning, Katie is still shook. They see the footage of what happened last night. Mika shows Katie this website about this woman, Diane, who experienced the same thing Katie is experiencing. Mika wants to talk to Katie, but she's annoyed with him in the camera. He blames her for bringing it into the house. He finds her crying on the floor, and I just wrote, she's very overwhelmed right now. Night 20, October 7th, 4.32 a.m., Katie is drugged on the floor and out the room. This is that, you know, iconic, I think it's an iconic scene from the trailer. She's pulled out of her bed, and she's drugged out of the room. And then the door slams, and she calls out Mika's name. He gets to her, and they get back to the room. She's crying super hard. She wants to leave. He says they'll get a motel. Finally, they decide to fucking leave the house. She, she has a huge bite mark on her side, too. Mika finds Katie stoic with a cross clenched in her hand so tight that her hand is bleeding. He gets her to the couch and starts a fire, and he burns the cross. She's in bed and doesn't want to leave now. Mika's pissed. She says it'll be better if they stay. October 8th, night 21, 1.27 a.m., Katie springs out of bed, and she stares at the bed like she did earlier. And then the blankets fall off Mika. She walks to his side of the bed and hovers him for over two hours. She walks out the room, and she calls out his name. He runs to her, but we hear him scream, and then we hear nothing but silence. Then we hear footsteps. Then we see Mika's body fly towards the camera. Katie walks in with a bloody shirt. She sniffs his body like on her on her hands and knees and then she crawls towards the camera with that demon face and like snarls at the camera then we get a title card and it just says mika's body was discovered by police october 11 2006 katie's whereabouts remain unknown that's the ending uh first time i watched this movie ending scared the shit out of me <laughs> I, uh, go ahead hey if you want to let these two duke it out i'll go first Okay. Right, ahead, How about Mike. that? It was your pick. You can go first. Okay. All right. And also, I agree with you, Nico. The first time I ever saw this ending, it got me, which is very tough to do. Very tough to get me even then. And it did give me a little, oh, shit. So, props on that. However, with time, in hindsight, it's not... It's not what I would have done. Now, I don't know exactly what I would have done, and I'm not a big fan of any – I know Brian's going to talk about it, so I'm going to let him have that. But I'm not a big fan of any of the, of the other endings. Like, nothing really can replace this to me. So there's no, like, great way to end this movie, I guess. So um, none of those do a whole lot for me, but I didn't – I don't love this. I, I, th I think everything building up to it, like, I think – the, the loud noises down the hall, her screaming her head off. Like, I like all that. All that's like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? Like, and again, when you're watching it for the first time, you don't know the end is coming. Like, you don't really – like, I'm not watching the time. So this is just like a build, like a build to a crescendo. You never know. And so I like that. 
I like everything leading up to it. I'm not a big fan of him being hurled at the camera. Like, big th- like it, it's a little hokey for me. Like, we've had a movie that I think has done a pretty good job of making things realistic. Like, this could happen, this could happen. Like, outside of a few, you know, nitpicks here, like, I think they've done a decent job of making it seem like, oh, this could happen. And I'm not a big fan of throwing his body right at the camera. However, I guess you could argue that with, well, the camera's been a significant player in this movie. He's such a douchebag with the camera. He has been just sticking it in people's face. He's been taunting this demon with the camera. So I guess I get that. But I'm just not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of of the uh, of the sniffing or anything like that. Like, I don't – but, I mean, I feel like it's a nitpick because I don't know how I would have ended this either. So I guess if I'm going to critique, I should try to come up with something better, and I couldn't. So um, it's fine. It's not the worst ending of all time or anything. I like it better than the Blair Witch Project ending, which is still a big stick in my craw with me for that movie. I am not a fan of the way they end that fucking film. But um, not a huge fan of this one either, so I guess I'm kind of right there on the line with it. Just I don't know what I would have done, but I I wish it would have it would have ended a little bit more realistic for me, if that makes sense. So. <laughs> so anyway, the foot foot grabbing scene from under the sheet, man. That's this is probably the movie's most famous scene and like nico said and one of those that just sticks with me um this one gives gave me chills again watching it and it makes me honestly want to just throw up thinking about it this is one of those parts that makes me feel vulnerable and it's one of the reasons why it's probably like i said one of the three scenes that actually makes this movie that scares you know scares me um it's the scene this is a scene that i think about at 3 30 in the morning uh whenever i wake up but big props to Katie Featherston's acting during that. I mean, just her screams and just and everything behind that door. And it's it's honestly it's it's amazing because you you don't even get to see her face, so she doesn't even have, you know, the ability to to show you that emotion, you know, through her facial expressions or anything. It's just her voice, and I think she does a great job with that. Um, I wrote down, you know, so you burn the only Christian symbol in the house. Genius move, Mika. Add it to the fucking exactly. list. But, uh, you know, I on it, this is what I was talking about with for some reason. And I don't I think it's just because the way he runs after her and the way that he consoles her and things like that. Like this makes me forget that he's a douchebag. And uh, like in those moments, I'm not like, oh, he's you know, why he's running to go save her. I'm not like, oh, yeah, I hope he gets fucking killed. Like to me, like I forget about him being a dick. And it's just like I'm just caught up in that moment and in and, and that. So I'll give it cut him some slack in that, um, you know, and, and, and finally, in the same words, halfway through Rob Zombie's Halloween film, when I was watching it, finally, he wants to go to a hotel. But the only problem now is, you know, she doesn't. But you know what? You fucking make her. I don't mean that as like a big bad man knows best or whatever. I just mean like she's very obviously not herself. She's getting possessed, but at the very least looking like the house is affecting her wellness. She looks sick. I mean you just – you make her ass leave at that point. You don't just give in and walk away like you did. Um, I want to share like too – I don't even remember another film that I watched that in the theater – the entire theater after it was over was just silent and nobody got up. I guess maybe nobody knew it was over. There wasn't like credits immediately or anything like that. It was just, nobody got up. It was just dead silent. And it's the only time that I've ever 
in my life seeing a movie theater like that. Right. Same experience, um, Brian. Uh, and, and you know i can go and and you know what mike i agree with you i don't really care for the this ending um especially when you know the other other three and i know it's pretty well known now that spielberg wow. you know kind of convinced them to uh to change the ending so that they could have more of a franchise and move move forward with it but you know the other two endings like the original one that she katie comes back up the stairs with blood on her shirt and sits by the bed like rocking for the entire day you know it shows the time lapse i like that I, all day, night, until you know what I believe is her sister or a friend maybe comes in and you hear her come in and scream and then leave and then it just sits there, time lapse, and then the police finally come in, find her in that position, and she gets up and comes at them with a the knife and they shoot her. Um, that's the original one. The alternate ending one is holy shit. You know, she walks up to the camera and slits her own throat right there in front of the camera. To me, that might have been the most effective one um obviously you, you would lose her for any of the sequels and i don't even know if she's in any of the sequels i know she's in paranormal activity too but it's a prequel so mm-hmm. it's a prequel you know, so yeah so anyway i mean i i probably would have went with that one i guess i mean i don't know why you wouldn't but i agree with you it's the weakest of the three endings anyway so the the ending they chose was actually uh steven spielberg is the one that right that suggested it be changed and suggested this ending be the one they go with um and who are we to question him i guess but <laughs> i kind of tend to fuck agree that with guy. No, i'm just kidding <laughs> hey no it's <laughs> steven spielberg not brad pitt come on it's so, he sucks. Um, oh sorry <laughs> but no i agree with you brian like what are you doing you're gonna burn the cross like what's the what's the point of that right i'm going the other route i'm going down to hobby lobby and i'm buying every jesus candle they have and i'm lighting them in every room of the house i'm calling a shaman i'm calling a priest <laughs> I'm calling a pastor or a rabbi. I'm going the opposite direction. Like he's saying, you yeah. know, we'll get rid of all of religion. That'll just, you know, that'll get rid of the devil. Yeah, what an idiot. Okay. Um, and again, here we go. So that when she's dragged down by her foot, having a third person there wouldn't have stopped that. But at least that would have been someone who's awake and watching so that, you know, it could have got to her sooner, I guess. Um, but fun, so funny thing here. Like I said, I watched it this time with the subtitles on when he gets her back up in the bed and she says, no, it's OK. I think we'll be fine now. When I when she said that, I was like, what the hell? Like, I, it sounded funny when she said it to me. Her mm-hmm. voice sounded funny. It actually says in the subtitles above her word in parentheses, it says voices merging. And so there's a big spoiler like, oh, OK, like she's full on possessed now. <laughs> like this is not this is not good. So that's what if, you know, voices merging. Yeah. Get your ass up. We're going. We're leaving. And um, I'm going to call Jim Baker and Benny Hinn and get some of that holy water off the TV, too. So <laughs> uh, the 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 ending is, Jesus, man, you talk about sticking with you because I like the ending. I, I don't hate the ending. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe those other endings would have been more effective. But I actually like this one because, you know having her carry him back up the stairs. I know Mike, you said that it it takes the realism out of it for you, but if you believe in this sort of thing and your homework on it, the superhuman strength is one of the characters like, you know, like in the the exorcist, Linda Blair's head spinning around and shit. And, you know, it's, it's doing supernatural things. And so, uh, the, the strength is impressive and, and is believable. If you believe in that sort of thing. Right. And so uh, having her throw it at the camera, 
I thought, like you said, was was effective because Katie had actually been annoyed with the camera. And so this is like a symbol of Katie and the demon agreeing on something for once. And they're like, fuck this camera and fuck Mika too. And uh, then having her crawl over the body and sniff it, like maybe the significance of that, because if you remember, Katie had the bite mark on her ribs. Maybe the demon is a cannibal uh, and loves the taste of flesh. I don't know. Maybe they were going to eat Mika after this. And then the uh, this is the instance of a jump scare done well, because when she lunges at the camera, I think my bowels evacuated themselves. So um, <laughs> this is when a jump scare is effective and done well. And I hated it. That's the, and not because it's hokey like a lot of jump scares are. And I love the fact that there's no opening or end credits to this movie. Like it just makes it more realistic. You know, the only end credit we get is the bodies were found or her body was never found, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, it's you want to talk about an effective ending that makes it all worth it. It makes it worth it. I don't want right. to watch this anymore. That's how effective it was. <laughs> and, you know, I said earlier uh, in my in my general outlook that I think this movie is a little slow moving in the beginning. Like I want to just get to the shit and it was a little too drawn out with just little things happening. I had a similar argument with the descent you'll remember, like, but I said the descent picks up in the second half. This one more than picked up. Once you hit that high gear, it was like, Holy shit, I need a cigarette and I don't even smoke. Like it was, <laughs> this movie is this intense, the rest of the movie. And I think that's how you make up for a slower beginning is to crank it up and break the volume knob. So, and they did that. Well done by Oren Pelley and, and the rest of and the staff, the crew, everyone just did an incredible job on this. The inning. Any final thoughts before we jump into fun? Is it? I don't. And I've never. I told you I've never seen any of them. I don't know if I've said it on air, but I said it off air. But I've never seen any of them past two. I watched two, and I watched two when my son was was like two or three years old, and so. I like it really bothered me having the little kids in, in the movie. And mm -hmm. so I was like, fuck this franchise. Yeah, that's what I makes. I didn't watch it anymore after that, after two. But I saw a clip of Katie and Mika, who obviously came back and filmed the other side, I guess, of the ending to like it showed it showed the whole ending of her going downstairs and, you know, stabbing him and everything like from a different perspective. And I think it was like paranormal activity, the marked ones, I believe. It, and it's the marked ones. Yeah. So, I mean, is, uh, and I don't, I did not get that in any sort of context whatsoever. I just saw that scene and I was like, wow, that's kind of actually pretty cool to see the other end of that or the other side of that anyway. So I've never seen the marked ones. I've been meaning to never seen the marked ones. Uh, I do know that scene is in there. I just like you, I don't know the context as I've only seen through four. And four is a complete shit show to me. It had, I think it's completely total dog shit movie. Well, two is actually good. I actually really like Paranormal Activity two. I think it's just as freaky as this one. It's a little more fun. Like there's a little bit like I have a little more fun with it. So you're kind of reaching that that sequel level of uh, of eh, we're going like a Freddy direction with yeah. some of this. But it's good. Like I really enjoy it, and I like that it is. You don't know it's a prequel until you do. Like like it's 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 fun. So, but three and four are just kind of there, and then they get way off the path. And then the marked ones are supposed to. A lot of people like that. I haven't seen it, so and I don't know if I ever will, unless we, unless one of you bastards picks it, or if I pick it to freak one of you out. 
Yeah, it won't be me. Me either. <laughs> so don't worry. I'll pick. I'll pick Emily Rose here soon, and you'll be fine. Cool. And I've never and I've never seen that on purpose. So thanks, thanks. I, lo- I love that movie. I'm sure you start, pick the Exorcist. Start, uh, start counting off and demon tongues and shit. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I love that movie. Let's go. Let's the other go. two, the other two movies that actually scared me when I was younger were The Exorcist and the original um, Ouija. And that was just because I saw them. I don't know right. why, but I was just really young, and and they scared the shit out of me. They don't now. But this one does now. Yeah, right. Jump into fun facts. Let's do it. Let's do it. I got uh, quite a few. I'm sure we probably all got the same stuff, though. Uh, does anybody want to go first? Or I can. doesn't matter. Go ahead, we, probably got the, we probably got about the same ones. So I'll, so I'll let you go, and then I'll, I'll lay my Arquette. Six, six degrees of Arquette on the table. <laughs> all right. Filming was completed in 10 days. This is all of IMDb. Uh, we've already said this. Original ending was changed at suggestion of Steven Spielberg. The actors weren't given scripts, but were given guidelines on how to behave or what to discuss in their scenes. Uh, Spielberg had to stop watching the film halfway through on a home screener as he was genuinely spooked by the experience. He completed it in daylight hours the next day and loved it. The entire movie was filmed in Oren Peely's own home. Uh, during the first test screenings, people started leaving the theater. Originally, the crew thought this was because the film wasn't going over very well with its audience, only to discover that people left the auditorium because they couldn't handle the intensity of the piece. Oren Peely shot the entire film with a, digi- a home digital camera. Uh, Paramount acquired the U.S. rights for $350,000. The film went on to make $193 million worldwide, making this the second most profitable film ever made based on a return of investment the first most profitable is the blair witch project 1999 which cost 22,000 and made 240.5 million uh katie featherston and mika slope were reportedly paid just 500 dollars each for their own performances but due to the success of the film the director katie and mika are now renegotiating the amount uh Oren, the director he got the idea for the movie from a personal experience Late at night, he was sleeping, and a box of detergent fell off the shelf. The box was pushed too far back for just a tilt and fall. And doesn't that make it even more creepy since that was this yeah. house? Yeah. Right, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. I got one more, but it's just more about money. Dustin, okay. go ahead, brother. All right. So, yeah, the only other one that I've got that you didn't say was that DreamWorks originally wanted to remake the movie with a bigger budget. Ooh. and better-known actors, rather than release the film as it was, and then use this original as a DVD extra. Thank God they didn't do that. Yeah, that's uh, shit. Yeah, and, uh, the, you know, th- I think it's pretty remarkable that there was only five credited cast uh, in the whole movie. Like, that's that's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was eight people that was hired to star in the movie, but three of the characters was cut. And then, the moment that you've all been waiting for, so Mika... <laughs> He also, Mika also starred in a short film, a comedy short called The Death and Return of Superman, which was written and produced by Max Landis. Max Landis also. Oh, jeez. Max Landis also (laughs) made a a short documentary called Wrestling Isn't Wrestling. Yes, he did. Which David Arquette appeared in. Yes, he did. Wow. As soon as you said said Max Landis, I knew you were going with the wrestling doc. (laughs) 
Hey, Mike, before you go, um, I was going to say what Dustin brought up about making it a bigger movie with DreamWorks with a known cast. This movie is effective just like Oculus was, not yeah. having a known cast, like and that. they just acted. I mean, I think I think having a not known cast was very effective for this movie and Oculus. Yeah. Right, and and that's something that I read when we were looking up fun facts, and I had, so I'm glad somebody said it. But what I think is this is a movie that works with uh without a well-known cast. Some movies work better with a well-known cast, depending on the you know the type of horror movie we're talking about here. Like Scream to me doesn't work if I don't know some of those people from watching you know whatever show they were on that. Oh, that if, Nev, if Nev and them's not in it, we ain't right, okay. right. Right, exactly. So, and if Drew Barrymore is not the first kill, it's not as impactful. Like, it just kind of depends on the movie. So, I like, I like that. I didn't know a single fucking person in this movie. Like, that is really good. I like if Robert Englund um, is not Freddy. Right, right, yeah. exactly. So you, yeah. So, um, I don't really have anything except the box office, which I always like to do. Which this movie in particular is is its box office is always talked about because for a while it was either the highest. Uh, or excuse me, the most profitable horror film of all time. I don't know if it still is. It, I think it's number two now, as Brian gives me the peace sign, so I'm guessing it's number two, um, <laughs> which is still pretty damn impressive. I mean, it had a budget of $15,000, and you can tell, but that's okay, because it made, in the U.S. alone, it made $108 million, a further $85 million wor- you know, internationally, which brings it up to a total of $193 million worldwide. It was acquired for thirty for you know $350,000 like you talked about and made for $15,000. $193 is a pretty goddamn good profit margin. And I'm no math wizard. <laughs> I mean, Dustin's got that much money. He needs to go buy one of these scripts. Oh, shit. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, brother. Say less. Uh, yeah, y'all ready to jump into the uh, no favorite? I don't, I don't have a favorite kill. I, mean, I don't have a kill. Or at least Honestly, Mika dying I mean, is sad. My favorite kill is Mika because he died. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> who wants to go first on their rating? Mike, you want to go first or last? It's your pick. I'll go last. That's fine. I'll That's go fine. first. All right. So, like I said, I do not ever want to watch this movie again. However... That doesn't detract from my score. I think that this movie is brilliantly done, especially when you consider the budget and especially when you consider the unknown casting and crew. This is Warren Pelly's directorial debut. All things considered, I think that this is one of the scariest movies ever made. And that that has to account for something. So my score on this movie is a nine and a quarter. But I'm not watching it again. <laughs> Wowzers. Okay. I, I'll go next, Brian. Okay. All right. My rating, uh, I kind of gave it the median margin of I wrote down one score, then I changed it and I wrote another score. So I'm just going to meet the score in the middle. I'm going to give it a 6.75. Um, not a huge fan of found footage, but this is a pretty good one. Uh, like I said at the beginning in our general thoughts, first time I saw this movie, I, I was freaking terrified at the end of it. I was in the middle of the country, had to drive home over this little rickety bridge. Yeah, I was freaking terrified the first time I watched it. Uh, I remember the hype and the commercials. They they hyped this movie up great, especially considering social media was nowhere near what it is now. 
the movie's not scary to me now, but it's still well made, especially considering the low budget. And, you know, it's still creepy a little bit, but 6.75 for me. Um, I give this movie a zero. No, I'm just fucking wrong. Um, <laughs> no, I, I like, I mean, I told you it scares. This movie is a fucking horror movie. It's supposed to scare you. And it's legitimately the only movie, like I said, that scares me. Um, I didn't know if it would scare me again. I watched it. It fucking scares me again. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can, I, I went back and forth with the score cause I wasn't sure, you know, usually I, I go with my heart and rate these movies, you know, like uh, enjoyment factor, but you know, I, I honestly, <laughs> zero. Wrote, <laughs> no, I say zero. Yeah. So, but, I, but then again, you know, I, I, I go back and I look at, at some movies that I've rated, you know, tens for instance, that are just master, like very well done accomplishes what it needs to do. And I'm, I'm completely with Dustin on this one. And I gave it a 9.5 as well, honestly. Right. So I, um, okay. So leading up <laughs> to doing this movie, there's, I, Read a lot of not reviews, but a lot of like scores and stuff of what people thought about it, and a lot of common complaints. This movie is very divided. To uh, and I, I think some of the complaints are unfair. There's a lot of well, nothing happens. Well, mm, stuff does happen if you pay attention. Like (laughs) stuff definitely happens. So to me, that's not. And I get what Dustin's saying. Like early, yeah, there's some like dead time and stuff, but. When it really needs to pick up, it picks up and it doesn't let go. So I, I don't yeah. really see that complaint as valid. I don't see the complaint as having too many jump scares as valid. There's hardly any jump scares in this movie. Right. Maybe two, and they're both really well executed. Like I can't complain about the jump scares at all. I don't think those criticisms are valid. And so I see a lot of people rate this movie low because of that. I, I just don't see that at all. So – I think this is an enjoyable horror movie. Like, it's a nice little watch. It's not too long. It's the perfect length. Uh, I can literally pop this in any time and watch it. I really can because it – I and I understand if this movie scares you, that's fine. <laughs> but I enjoy it because it comes really close to scaring me. It, it, it can still suck me in and make me just for a little bit be like, ooh, okay. So I really, really think that for the budget they had – and a found footage film, which I'm a, I'm a fan of found footage for the most part. And I think this movie does it better than most. So all that being said, I'm going to give this an 8.5. I, I, I almost want to give it a 9, but its effectiveness on me has kind of worn off over the years. But I still think it's, it's an enjoyable horror film in my book. Like I just – I can watch this whenever. It's a nice watch. Again, just scary enough for me to kind of go, ugh. But not so scary to where I'm like Dustin and, and Brian, where I, I don't ever want to see this again. I'm definitely going to watch this movie again. And by the way, fellas, if you really want to scare your significant other and she's never seen a scary movie, this is the one, pal. This is the one. <laughs> this is the one you get yeah. to hold her all night long like Dustin likes to do. So there you go. <laughs> no, I, I like to be held. Oh, sorry. And, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and- Eight eight point five from Mike actually bring that's that turned out to be our average on this one. So eight point five from the boys on this one. There's somebody gonna complain that we ha- that, that that this rating's higher than some of the other movies that we have. <laughs> this movie scared us. What can we say? Oh, this movie is I enjoy it. I think it's good. I I got no problem with it. Yeah, uh Dustin, you wanna announce your pick for next week, brother? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my pick next week, uh, if you see the cartoon version, 
that Brian mocked up of me. It's on the our logo. It's got all of our cartoons on it. You'll notice that hanging from my utility belt, I have uh, a mask. It's the big red machine, Kane. I'm a WWE fan. Same. Kane also happens to be the Knox County mayor, which is, you know, hey, that's where I am. And so my pick for next week is the horror classic from WWE Studios <laughs> starring Kane. See no evil. Nice. Looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that one a lot. I think it's really good, man. Well, maybe. I haven't seen it in a while, so we'll see. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll get into it next week. I, 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 we'll get into it next week. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we really appreciate the support. It's been nice uh, getting back to film reviews. I love doing interviews, but the film reviews is my favorite thing to do. Me too. Uh, butter, y'all have a, oh, yeah, exactly. It was good to have you back, too, Mike. Appreciate we, it, we, miss, we know you. We know you had fun at uh, on vacation, but we missed hey, you, brother. Hey, hey, you guys are lucky. You're getting my first day sober in ten days. So, <laughs> <laughs> all righty, y'all have a good night. And uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.